This is episode 7 of I'm Just Older Darling. Hello, kia ora, my lord. My name's Michelle, I'm the host of I'm Just Older Darling, a series of conversations with members of our communities who are sometimes referred to as elders, their stories, their words. This was recorded during the lockdown of COVID-19. This conversation experienced some network issues, shall we say. I hope you enjoy it. I think it's still audible. Apologies for some of the quality. This conversation is with Everell Deans. He's an elder in the Caribbean community and Rainbow community of Auckland. Hi, Everell. Hi, my name's Everell Deans. I live in New Zealand. My, uh, I'm, I was born in the UK. I was born in a small town in Staffordshire. Uh, I'm one of a family of eight. My parents came from the Caribbean, specifically Jamaica. My, pa- my mother, St. Catherine, dad in Hanover. I've lived in New Zealand for over 25 years and I have fortunately connected with uh, other members of the Caribbean community in New Zealand, which has been very rewarding. Really, this is about asking people how they feel about being older members of the community. So how do you feel when somebody says to you, oh, you're you're an elder of our community, and which community do you identify with the most? Well, uh, the first uh, question, being an older member of the community, uh, I don't actually, to be honest, Michelle, I don't really see myself as being old. I I am. I mean, I'm in my 50s, uh, but I... uh, I seldom, I can't actually recall anybody uh, questioning me about being older. Obviously, uh, I feel wiser, I suppose. You know, I have a lot of experience that I can impart to people. I've been obviously through a lot uh, throughout the 50 years of my life, same as any other 50-year-old. So the stuff that I can share about stuff that, you know, I could have done better or, you know, that I shouldn't have done. Which communities do you believe? Oh yeah, which communities? So yeah, so with uh, with regard to the community, I, I would say obviously I see myself as being first and foremost part of the Caribbean community. You know, my my race has has always been really important to me. I've done quite a lot of things uh, to try and improve and improve and enhance my own race. I'd also say that I'm part of the uh, gay community as well, although I don't. 100% uh, identify with being gay, but certainly uh, in the realm of the same-sex relationship queer community, then I do have a foot in that as well. Um, and also the creative community, the black creative community, uh, I see that I have a place in that as well as a uh, elder, older generation. Is there anything that you've done in the last 10 years that you just thought uh, the younger version of yourself would admire or you admire or the vice versa? In the last 10 years, my younger self, when I was younger, obviously, I had a lot more energy, vitality. Uh, I was very fearless. Uh, I think that I'm, I'm pretty fearless now, but obviously not as much as when I was younger. I mean, some of the stuff that I used to, to do, you know, jumping in the cars, drive to different places and and get involved in different organizations uh, away from where I worked, whereas now, 
you know, I tend to do things remotely. Also used to work quite a lot with lots of different people, whereas now I tend to do a lot more things, creative things by myself. Uh, like I do a lot of writing, which is a kind of a solitary thing, really. Whereas uh, when I was younger, I get more involved in group or team activities. Um, so during COVID-19, do you think technology has um, impacted you? Uh, it has, it has, because uh, during the lockdown, I was uh, stuck in Hastings, actually, on a paddock. And uh, I did actually have an interview, a job interview, that was done through, uh, not Zoom, it's, it's the Google equivalent Teams, Google Teams. And that was something new to me, because uh, I'd never... I mean, I know that a lot of people have had these uh, video interviews for, for many years, but I'd never actually had one myself. But obviously, because of the social distancing, the fact that people couldn't travel, uh, there was no other way of, of conducting the interview other than uh, by video. And so that was something new to me. And I, I'm aware that a lot of people have been using that type of platform to communicate i know the caribbean community were doing it as a bit of a a lime meetup uh and lots of actually lots of friends were inviting me to to connect with them as well to do quizzes and and to converse and all those sorts of things so i've never seen technology used in that way before prior to covid19 so uh, that i suppose did have a bit of an impact on my life in the technological sense uh, in what ways have COVID impacted me? I think I did spend a lot of time by myself because I was in a van. Although there were people around me, I had to occupy my own time. And and I'm not the sort of person that will just sit there idle and just uh, watch lots and lots of Netflix. Yes, I do watch a little bit of Netflix, but not you know from dawn till till dusk. Uh, so what I did, I made. Uh, time to do stuff. I started doing a lot of exercising, actually. That was, you know, focusing on my body uh, and my mental well-being. I started doing a lot of reading, and I was looking at ways that I could uh, learn new things. You know, like I used to speak a little bit of French years ago, so I was looking at maybe refreshing my French or even uh, refreshing my Spanish or even learning something completely new. I was looking at one of these Arabic languages. I know it's ridiculous, but uh, I just thought it'd be quite interesting to uh, just just to test myself and see whether or not I could, uh, uh, you know, get into learning an Arabic language. Uh, so I did quite a lot of that, a lot of cycling. You know, it was all about me and my health. Uh, a lot of people put on a lot of weight. I've, I've since since the lockdown ended, I've, I've caught up with quite a lot of people and they have put on weight and they all complain about putting on weight. But it's been completely the opposite for me, Michelle. I've actually lost a lot of weight. Uh, and all of that I achieved during the lockdown because the focus was on me. I, I was able to stop and just focus on my own health. How visible do you feel in your community? Within my community, Michelle, I, I have to say that I think that I am very visible uh, I think uh, with the uh, I'm involved with the Caribbean Society and also the Black Creatives, and I'm I'm aware that a lot of people within the community are aware of me because some people, as a result of me being part of this group, 
of these groups have actually connected with me, or if I start following them on social media, then they will follow me. Uh, I I have had a little bit of exposure about some of my experiences and what I've done. So I think the community are aware uh, that I exist, but probably not aware of the extent of of the sort of creative work that I've done. I have tried to uh, organize, I did try to organize an event uh, for the black community, actually, but uh, nothing really uh, happened with that, which... You know, I'm not quite sure. I sometimes think, Michelle, that, you know, black people are a little bit untrusting of each other. If they don't actually know you, then if you say that you're organizing something for them, then I think there's probably there's a lot of suspicion around who is he and, and why is he doing this and what's his motivation and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes I think that uh, the community just don't can't accept that somebody is genuinely doing something to help you and they don't want anything out of it. And I, I put that down to the fact that, you know, they talk about slave mentality and the fact that they put us, put us against each other and, it's, and that kind of thing has trickled down through the generation and have made a lot of black people very suspicious. So uh, I found that quite difficult to, I found it quite difficult, sorry, to, to do work for the community because of that. That's what I put it down to because I can't think of any other reason why, you know, the, when you reach out to the community, sometimes they just don't reciprocate. Because it's the same as when I walk around Auckland. When I walk around Auckland and I see other black people, a lot of them, I don't know what your experience has been, but a lot of them just look down on the ground. They don't even acknowledge me. And uh, I've often said to, spoken to other blacks about it, and they've said that the same thing has happened to them. And I can't understand, you know, if a white person is in Nigeria, for example, and you've got lots and lots of black faces all around you, and then in the distance you see one little lone white face walking towards you, and then as soon as the two of you pass, surely you would at least acknowledge them or say hello. You don't need to have a conversation. And it's the same in Auckland. You see another, because there's not many black people here, so if you see another one, then you'd at least say hello, but they don't do it. They've got their head to the ground. Uh, You know, they just won't even look at you. And I I always used to question, why do black people do that? And it's actually gotten to a point now where I see a black person because I always say hello to another black person. But when they ignore me, I kind of feel a bit stupid. So now I don't actually make the effort to say hello to them. Uh, maybe they're trying to say hello to me. And now they're thinking that I'm ignorant. I don't know. I'm the person that I look like. I look like the nodding clown in the car, constantly nodding at black people and some blank me. Oh, really? And some really? And, and I, I refuse to change my ways. I will always embrace anybody that I see. Good. That I recognize that sits in my group. And yes. I will yes. acknowledge them. And, you know, it's not the onus is on them, not on me. Do you know what I mean? It's like I'm, yes. I'm yes. acknowledging yes. you. That's your choice, and you know that's my my perception of it. Well, so who was the elder that had the biggest impact on you as a adult child? Yeah, or now the who the people that you know when I was younger the elders that you would say will have the biggest impact. All oh, right. See, when I was younger, I mean things were quite different uh, because in the way that you engage with elders, because basically you you didn't treat them as friends. I find that a lot of young people now will converse with me as if I'm their friend. You know, I'm talking about people in their 20s, 30s, uh, 
Whereas that didn't happen when I was younger. You knew your place. So most of the elders that I was around when I was younger, they were either in the church. Obviously, a lot of black people are in the church. Uh, and Or, for example, in my family, on my dad's side, if you didn't go to church, then you had all your mates that you would be drinking buddies with. You know, they turn up at the house drinking the rum or the whiskey. Uh, and again, you wouldn't really converse with them. So, and there weren't many black people on TV as well that you could, uh, you know, as role models that you could look up to. Um, as you know, black people were seldom on TV back in the day. So there weren't a hell of a lot of blacks that I looked up to thinking back, apart from musicians, really. Uh, but nowadays, God... I mean, I, I obviously admire people like uh, Obama, you know, being the first black president, his wife as well, Michelle Obama, what she's been doing. Uh, this whole Black Lives Matter thing, there's a lot of people that are emerging uh, on the scene that I have never been aware of that are doing so much, that are so influential. Uh, there's, a, you know, a lot of really cool people on the scene now, uh, comedians, uh, I can't remember their names, you know, I follow a lot of people now on podcasts and, and lots of different platforms, uh, but I can't remember their names, but there's a, so many people around now that you can tap into their knowledge and listen to what they have to say. They've got really important things that they have to say, and they really do uh, inspire me, and I do look up to a lot of those people, but like I said, there's so many of them, I can't actually remember all of their names, but they're all saved, you know, saved in podcasts. Uh, in New Zealand, for example, there's a couple. Uh, there's one person that does a lot of academic work and did a lot of work around the racism in New Zealand. You know, she published a report that was in the media. I actually really admire her because it takes guts to do something like that in New Zealand because nobody ever really touches on that side of stuff. I didn't actually think things like that happened in New Zealand. I didn't think the police called people, you know, the N-word and all these really defamatory words until this report was made public. So that is a, the person that released it is, is a person that I really, really admire. Uh, and I, I, I admire any black academics, actually. Uh, can't think of anybody else. Nobody else that just jumps to mind. Oh, and also Dione, I think she's done a great job with uh, bringing the community together. Uh, she's she's done that really well. And a lot of the elders, that's right, there's, there's also people that have lived in New Zealand. It's all coming to me now. People who have lived in New Zealand for many, many years and have been involved in associations that bring the community together. You know, Bernie is an, is an example of that. He's, he's been there for years. He knows a lot about the history of the Caribbean community in New Zealand, and he's still, still there. And he was the person that was responsible for bringing me into the uh, the society because I didn't even know that it existed. And uh, he was the one that told me about it and just kept, you know, pushing me to <laughs> to come and, and join the society, which I eventually did. And I'm glad. That I did because, uh, you know, I it's helped me to explore my 
Caribbean identity because I didn't really do that years ago. But I, I feel a lot more Caribbean now that I've been exposed in this country, New Zealand, uh, to the, the culture and the, the, the diverse range of, of people from the Caribbean. I really do feel like I, I'm part of a strong community as a result of being um, with the Caribbean society and with the creative, the black creative things. Yes, they do have people from other countries like Africa. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to explore my identity as a black, from my black African roots, which is something I've never really done when I lived in England, when I first came to New Zealand. So being part of these groups has, has really, really helped me in terms of, uh, you know, looking at my culture and my identity. Because a lot of people think, oh, just because you're black, you automatically assume that, uh, you know, you've got an identity from Africa, your heritage in Africa, or strong thing with being Jamaican and all these things. And that hasn't really been the case with me because, you know, I've never been to Jamaica. I've never been to Africa. I grew up in Britain as part of the black British community, and that was what my identity was. Yes, I knew my parents came from the Caribbean, but it wasn't a strong... I would never walk around telling people, I am Jamaican. It just didn't feel right because I'd never been there. I was black British. That was my culture. But it's only as a result of being part of these groups in New Zealand that now I can look more broadly at my heritage. And I do honestly feel, it's all to me about the feeling. I feel now like I'm Jamaican. And I would never have said that years ago. I feel now more connected to Africa and African people. Not 100%, but I'm getting there the more that I spend time with people and you know, and explore different aspects of the culture. Uh, it's helping me to know my place, to find my place, you know, because I think it's a lifelong journey. I think I've kind of deviated a little bit. That I? was incredible. That was incredible. No, that was, uh, wow. Do you know what I mean? I've got some, wow, that's a, yeah, that's a whole series in itself, mate, that we could go down. What sort of conversations would you have liked to have had with your um, elders that you wish that you're now you're an elder you'd like to expand on? Well, I'd love to, as an older person now, I can actually appreciate what my parents, my mom and my dad did for us as, as kids. You just, when you're young, you just don't realize uh, at the time all the sacrifices that they make and all the hard work that they're doing. But as you get older and you reflect on your parents and, and what they used to do, and then you start to develop a, an appreciation of what they really did. And I do honestly think that, uh, you know, if my parents were alive now, that I would actually thank them and or at least show them more of an appreciation of what they did for us, you know, because we, we as kids, we've all, we're all really healthy. We're, you know, we're all together. We're, you know, we've got really good lives. And I think it's all due to the really good upbringing and encouragement we got from our parents. And sadly, uh, when we were younger, we never realized that and so never really thanked our parents for that. We realize all of this when we're older and our parents sadly have gone. So uh, if I could turn back the time, I would really say thank you and, and acknowledge uh, all the stuff 
that my parents have done to them and to make them aware of that. So I would definitely say that's another thing I would say to young people is, is if your parents are still around, you know, thank them and appreciate what they're doing. And if, like I said, thank them for it because when you get older, you know, a lot of these people probably will not be alive and it'll be too late. What advice would you give to a younger version of Everall? I would say uh, be very open. Be very, very open uh, with regards to other people. Uh, try not to look at the world in, in binary, in a binary sense, because, uh, you know, there is a sliding scale in many aspects of people's life, whether it's to do with their sexuality, whether it's to do with, you know, their career, uh, their interest, you know, I just think that uh, treat everybody, what I do is to treat everybody like a blank canvas. Uh, try not to judge anybody at all. When somebody approaches you, they've got a, a clean slate and let them get to learn them without any judgments. And uh, yeah, I think just not judging people and being really kind is... is uh, but then I suppose I've always been like that. I've always been like that. In terms of economically, I would, to to the younger Everall, I would say just get yourself a house. Like, you know, I mean, I had a lot of opportunities to buy property when I was younger, but I, you know, you kind of think, oh, no, I've got many, plenty of years to do that. But, you know, having uh, a property has given me the freedom to live the life that I'm living now, uh, but it could have been an even better life had I bought a property earlier. So uh, that's one of the advices, the, the number one advice that I would give a younger person. Because the thing is, we need money. Whether you know we decide to uh, have a family or to be by ourselves, uh, we still need money. We need some security. And so investing in property early in life is one of the things I think that will give you so much freedom uh, in the years to come. So that's that's the number one advice I'd give to younger Everall. And on that point, I'd like to say thank you for the conversation, Everall. Uh, it's been a pleasure. And um, Everall Deans is just older, darling. Uh, thank you, Michelle. It's been my pleasure too. I've enjoyed it. I'm Michelle, your host. I'm just older, darling. It's brought to you by Same Same But Black. There's a series of conversations with members of our community sometimes referred to as elders, movers, shakers, doers, musicians. Based in West Auckland and wider New Zealand, each person has an interesting story and a perspective of their life and how that was the finale of season one of I'm Just Older Darling. Thank you for listening. Thank you to all the people that took part in the conversations and supported me during this production. Season two is in production with a more international flavour. That was the end of season one of I'm Just Older Darling. Thank you to Henderson and Massey, Creative Fun. Special shout out to Renee.